0: Episode eighty-two on the Nine Point Started with a Dream Podcast. Welcome to Nine Point Started with a Dream Podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host as always, Jacoby Gillum. And good thing about it, you know, sports is really about the journey. It's about the journey from being know the kid that have the dreams and ambition to wanting to be on the big stage to to growing and developing, you know, into adulthood, just to realizing whatever it may be, whether, whether you figure out how to make it happen or how you or how you transition that athlete mindset to this life after sports. Today's guest, man, um, Austin Bojina. This guy's journey is is an underdog story. It's an educational story. It's, it's everything that the athlete journey could be. And talking with him, just learning about his journey, how he just developed this work ethic to say, I am want to go get it, to how he, he bounced back from an injury that, that had him one step away to work for the Olympic trial this year. And way until now, as a PhD student, his story inspired me, I, I know it'll inspire you, because it's real. It's authentic. It, it's something we can all relate to in some form or fashion. So I hope you enjoy his story. hope you enjoy Austin's journey and let's get to it. Hey, well, I'm I'm glad to have you on because I know like bouncing back from injuries is something that I know that we all have to face at some point in our time. And I think hearing your journey and kind of how you're having the mindset to say, I'm going to bounce, I'm going to recover, I'm going to be, you know, X, Y, Z better. And I was like, glad to have you on.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me and, you know, reaching out and you're the, believe me out of, I mean everybody I've I do a lot of my own kind of you know with my professional running if you can even call running professionally a thing you know I do that pretty much all on my own right now and so I've reached out to people and and obviously with it being Olympic trials um, year everybody I'm learning you know everybody's got a story and so I mean there's only so many people out there that can tell a story and only so many people that want to listen to it and so honestly I haven't had anybody to Reach out. That's had any interest in me, and so um, I really appreciate you. I was definitely caught off guard when I got that email. I was really, really <laughs> excited. So I appreciate that.
0: Hey, like a lot. So and the question that everyone that comes on is, when you're younger as an athlete, what was one of your bigger dream goals you want to achieve?
1: Really, being a small town southeast Kansas farm kid, we played everything. We were multi-sport athletes. Really, there was no you know specialization in any one thing, and so. You know, I'd always been a baseball player, and really was kind of following that and running. My mom was a collegiate runner, and so running was always kind of there. But baseball always came much more easy for me. Running's always been really, really tough. Definitely not very naturally talented, and and that's been very frustrating for me throughout my entire time. I and mean, I'm still at it, and and so really. I think that was one of the big things was when going through high school and you know I was at a kind of a low level class to where the competition wasn't just out of this world like some of the other states, and so really it it kind of introduced me to a lot of success pretty early on and and that really just kind of made me hungry for more and I always felt like I had something to prove and in running, you know that was the one thing I felt like I had control of um I felt like. You know, I didn't have to depend on, you know, four other the guys out on the court or, you know, eight of the ball players on the field and and I liked that because I felt like I was working so hard and I was getting frustrated with some of the other sports that when running came along and being a distance runner, I was able to kind of take that into my own hands and really start figuring out what it was going to take for me and my strengths, how I was going to succeed at this sport. And I knew it was going to be a lot harder for me than it is for a lot of others. And and so I think, you know, right from the Leaving high school, going into college, I was so hungry. I had no idea what was in store for me. I, the school, I ended up signing with Pittsburgh State University down in uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas. And I remember walking into the coach's office as he's recruiting me, and I told him, "I, I was like, you know, I'm going to be your first cross country national champion." And this was at Division two level. I'm very competitive, and I had no idea what I was in for. I was a state champ in high school, and so I think just setting those unrealistic goals. Early on was really tough for me, but in the long run, that's really really helped. I feel like I managed to stay after it for years and years and years now, and it seems like it's all finally coming together. So when they say you know you got to put in that work year after year, there's no better testament to that than if you look at my progression of how it's been. Because there were so many years when I was just sitting at home, just so upset why others were having more success, why you know things weren't working for me. And I just remember telling myself, it's going to work, it's going to work, it's going to work. And, you know, I didn't have quite the success I wanted to in college, but I will say that I wouldn't trade having a successful college career for the success I'm having now post-collegiately because I'm hopefully going to have a lot more of that. Um, I've got a lot more time to work with now. And so that's kind of what I've gone for.
0: Man, that's awesome. And kind of just like going on that. So with like track and building cross country, it's not much attention on it right it doesn't, doesn't get the love that you know football or basketball gets so for you what was like your drive was it all internal did you like want people to know your name and what, what was driving you? you want to be the best yeah that's a that's a great question
1: I've had a lot of people ask me that lately kind of you know what drives me and I've trained alone I graduated in 16 and so I finished up my eligibility in 15 and stuck around an extra year to graduate and do my student teaching. And so I I've been at it now for I think it's my third year of just training myself. I train alone. And so I mean I'm a high mileage guy. So I put in hundred, hundred and forty mile weeks by myself um, most weeks. And so that that's really tough. But it real I think the thought that just keeps me going now is just knowing that, you know, I have done it for so long. I know that for me part of getting out the door and going by myself every day and putting in, you know, 2-hour runs, you know, every other day, it's knowing that once the race comes around, it's so much easier for me to just kind of lock in with the other competitors and I kind of just get to go with the flow and kind of just really t- lock into them and and it's so much easier that way for me. I'm so forcing myself to get out alone and put in that time and it's helped me to I mean, I work in academia. I'm getting my PhD right now here at the University of Kansas um, in sport management. And so running, I have a lot of thoughts, a lot of anxiety. Um, you know, everybody, a lot of us obviously suffer from, you know, depression, anxiety, those kind of things. And so for me, running's been that huge outlet for that. Just the stress that comes with, you know, whether it's been an unsatisfactory career at Pittsburgh State. In running, or not quite to what I had envisioned. You know, there's a lot of demons I feel like I've ran from for so long that, you know, really this past fall, I took a chance. I had reached out to a race, a half marathon in Indianapolis. And I still remember my parents, they were heading out to Colorado to watch my sister race at a conference meet. And, and I remember my mom just being like, you know, where are you going? Like, what's this race? And I'm like, it's a half marathon. I'm going to go run really fast. And I went out there and nearly hit the limit trials qualifying time in it. And I remember calling them and everybody was just freaking out. And And so I think, you know, just that thought that I've done this for so long. I've put in my time. I really feel like if I was going to have quit or to have stopped, I would have done this years ago. And so since I've put in my time, I've kept my hand over the flame. It's crazy for me to throw it in now. And so at this point, it's really just knowing that I've done the hard work, you know, at this point, it's fun. It's so much fun going out and, you know, putting in 20 miles, 25 miles, whatever, you know, I'm, now I'm, I'm kind of, you know, dabbling up into 50 Ks, 31 miles. And so for me now it's, this is the fun part. This is what I put in all those years of work for to, you know, to get to. And now I'm, I'm getting to really kind of see how fast I can go. And so that thought alone, just knowing how quick, can I run a marathon? You know, can I go for the American record in the 50 K those kind of thoughts really, when it's tough to get out the door, those kind of thoughts in my head are like, you know, nobody is thinking about Lawrence, Kansas right here. Nobody's thinking about, you know, me being from Arma, Kansas, nobody, you know, I'm kind of in my own little spot right here. Um, I get to fly under the radar and that's really motivating to me because I get like showing up on race day and not being, you know, the guy. And so I like, getting after it and making my name and having those people coming up after races like you know who the heck are you like where'd you come from i that to me is that's the most fun is when those kind of things happen so i'd rather have that role than the the guy that gets all the attention so
0: man when you first said you went you did on two hour run my eyes got big Mm -hmm. i was like two hour run So, so how far are you going in two hours ideally
1: So, I did 20 miles today. I ran right around, I think, two hours and 10 minutes today to 11, somewhere in there. And so, it really just kind of depends. I mean, there's days I've gone out and, you know, I've done over three hours. First day, I did 35 miles. I was out for like over three and a half. And, you know, it was just kind of getting myself out there and, and, you know, I would start early in the morning before the sun came up. And that makes it a little bit easier if I time it out like that because I kind of get to break it up. And there's only so many roads you can run around here. Even Lawrence isn't small, but uh, a lot of overlapping. And, and yeah, so it's at this point, most of my even just easy run days are 15 miles. So I'm running, you know, an hour and a half so an hour and 45 most days. And so you've got that kind of time. Luckily, I got a lot of things I think about, whether it's school, research that I'm doing, prepping for classes, I, um, a lot of the you know schoolwork that I study for, a lot of it's memorization. And so I'm repeating things in my head. And so, yeah, I just, I utilize my time wisely, but I also listen to a lot. So podcasts, audiobooks, music, I keep myself from going too crazy.
0: So. Definitely. And then when you said the part about, you know, like battling the demon, you know, like, a uh, guess, of the past failures, right? So those kind of haunt you to say, I don't repeat that again, in a sense.
1: Yeah, so really the demons for me is just knowing that, you know, when you work as hard as I feel like I do, I had done that for so long and I had just kept, and to be completely honest, I just kept failing. I wasn't getting success. Nothing was coming together. You know, I did all these different things on my own. Trying, I did high mileage, low mileage. I focused on, you know, I'm not very fast. I have very little foot speed and I've dedicated, you know, the past two, two and a half years to getting faster. And I'm finally, finally getting some foot speed. And so really the big demon for me was just knowing, was I running out of time? Was I getting, you know, to the end of this? How long could I keep this up and keep going? Because I knew school winding down. This was before really before I, you know, continued on for my PhD. I knew I was like I had taken a job during my masters as a GA for Kansas Athletics and I was working, you know, 60 hour weeks. It was just insane. And I was running 60 miles. And, you know, for me, sixty miles is barely training. I've done 70 in the last four days. And so that was all I was able to get in, you know, full weeks. While I was working for Kansas athletics. And so I was really in a point where I was considering just giving it up and I was running at four thirty five AM, you know, and I know there's others that do that, but going to then work, you know, eight to five and weekends, it was just really, really tough. And so I was battling, did I really want this or not? And, and then, you know, taking the PhD and, and kind of things coming together and, having a really, really big year last year where everything started to click and I, you know, had finally started to figure some things out and everything started going well. And I qualified for Olympic trials. I I was a national runner up in the US 50K championships and then to have gotten selected for the team. And really, I was so burnt out from just having... So many big races, kind of so many, three big breakthroughs. And I was so spent from that, that I was having such a hard time getting out the door. And then I went out to Boulder for, um, stay with some friends for the month of July. And I started to kind of get that passion back and kind of get fired back up. And this was, you know, two months, three months before, We headed to Romania for the US or for the world championships in the 50k. And so I, you know, had my first opportunity to represent Team USA and my very first workout back from Boulder here and I came back to Lawrence, did my very first speed workout on a straight paved road. Nothing wrong, nothing at all, no dips, nothing. And I feel something pop in my knee. And Mm -hmm. I've never had a serious injury I've been very very blessed to have you know not be injury prone I had an injury in college where an abdominal strain because I ran too much while I was sick and I had actually basically had caused knots in my core and that took some time but really i had never been injured but I knew I think something in me even though I'd never been injured I knew something was wrong so that decision and maybe that's where having a coach and having people kind of you know, there to help you out and make those decisions would have helped, but I was so scared and I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know who to, who to even go to, to really go about this. All I kept thinking was, Oh my gosh, you, you just made team USA. You know, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. It's okay. You'll work it out. And so I just kept running on it, kept running on it and I just gritted through, but I just kept knowing I was doing, you know, the KT tape, everything I could just to keep my knee in place and I was able to do some pretty good runs and so I started getting some confidence and I wasn't able to do much mileage but I was able to get some speed work in and so I started kind of getting more in that mindset of okay I can do this. I can go to Romania. I can still compete at a very high level and I did. I went over there. i got into the race. I put my you know self in it for ten miles and then my knee completely gave out and it's devastating. It was like all the demons just flooded back. All the times of, you know, not being good enough, not having the success I wanted, and to know that I had gone all the way over there and had worked so hard and everything had come together only to have my first big breakthrough where I get selected for a really huge honor and to find out I broke my kneecap. And I just I still just can't believe how that could have happened when I've never been injured. The timing doesn't make sense that I wasn't doing a lot of mileage. Nothing, nothing had shown that that would have happened. And, and it was just one of those freak things. And they think it might've been a, a stress fracture that broke through. They honestly don't really know for sure, but it was just one of those things that happened and couldn't have been worse timing. And so really even since then I've, I've come back very quickly but still it's hard being a distance runner, knowing that, you know, we race or race against the clock. And so I'm trying to hit times and knowing do I, my own time right now is can I get enough training in I and mean, can I do it smart and be healthy enough when I towed the line, you know, at the end of February to try to be top three at the trials, you know, can I do this? And I fight that thought a lot. And and that's probably my biggest demon right now is, Is just that thought is, you know, I'm not as talented as them. The one thing I felt like I had above a lot of people was my work ethic. And so right now I'm in a battle of, do I try to outwork them or do I just trust that throughout my last few years of, you know, really putting everything together? Can I put together a race and and just train smart right now without overdoing it? And so right now that's probably my biggest demon is just trying to come to terms with, am I going to be potentially undertrained or am I willing to uh test it out and take the risk of, you know, maybe overtraining. And so that's pretty scary right now. And, and uh can't really ask anybody. It's kinda just a battle I'm having to face right now.
0: That's real. Like as you were telling that story, I kinda like thought in my head like as it was happening. And I'll I I'll, I'll ask you this though so like the so when that moment happened that you knew it was serious, right? what one what was like your initial reaction and then two what was like your thought process on how i'm going to bounce back from this so when i felt the pop
1: i was doing a called a mona fart like um where my good friends out in boulder uh, brandon johnson had kind of put this idea in my head and he's like this is a good workout a lot of boulder runners do it for some speed work. And so I was like, okay, this will be a good little test. And it was my first time doing it on my own. And and I was getting to the very end. I had done the kind of the longer reps at a fast pace. And I was getting to the very end, um, very short, quick turnover ones. And it, like I said, I felt that pop right at the end. And it was only about four miles of workout. And so that was nothing. I might do warmups longer than that. And so when I felt that pop, I immediately pulled up. And I would just remember thinking like, whoa, okay. Like, even though I'd never been injured, I knew immediately. I was like, wow, that is not good. So I kind of pulled up. I kind of hopped around a little bit. And I've had some bad scares with my Achilles, just overtraining, that kind of stuff. And, I mean, back when I was having to do still indoor track in college, you know, doing those 200-meter, you know, tracks on the indoor, that's tough on mm-hmm. those and so yeah. I remember blowing up them ankles, and I remember just – you know, everybody's saying, oh my gosh, like I was training in Alamosa, Colorado one winter and on their 200, my ankle blew up and I had no, it was just completely round. And I didn't take any time off. I ran under hot water. I do little things. I elevate it throughout the night, just little, almost things up in my mind that I think are going to help it that probably don't, but I tell myself they do. And I dodge some bullets that way. I didn't tear it, nothing went wrong. And so I took that same mentality right from the start. Once I felt that knee pop, I was like, okay. So kind of shook it out a little bit. And then I kind of did a couple bins. I was like, wow, that really, really hurts. And I kind of laid down on this bench. I was by a park and I lay down by a bench and I stretched out a little bit. And I was like, okay, let's uh, you know, you're close enough. Let's try to get one more rep in. And took off, got about five steps and hold up immediately. And I'm like, "Oh, Oh gosh. Okay. And then I immediately started thinking, I'm like, I'm two and a half miles from home right now. And then it just kind of clicked in my head. I'm like, okay, today's workout's done. You know, let's just shuffle home. I could not even shuffle home and I'm in short shorts. I'm drenched in sweat. I have no shirt on. And my first thought is I've got to now walk two and a half miles back down the middle of Lawrence. And so I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, there's nobody going to pick me up. I am on my own right now. So I got two and a half miles to really pretty much hate everything about my life at that point. And knowing that something was really, really wrong. And I remember getting inside and and my mind's just racing, just thinking, okay, what can I do? What can I do? Icing it. I'm like, you know, I take a lot of Epsom salt baths, heating it up. And I was living, let's see, my roommate was gone at the time. So I was there by myself at that time, lived in a two story. And so I remember having to go up and down stairs with it. And it was just excruciating. I never felt anything like it. And I was like, okay, well, you know, we'll pick this up in the morning. Woke up, couldn't do anything on it again. And this just happened for about a week. And then I had gone home. I'd gone back home down Southeast Kansas, uh, down to Arma. And this was about a week later and I tested it out. I was like, okay, we're going to go out. We're going to do four miles. Like you can get through four miles. I did it a mile at a time. One mile I had to stop and I was just gritting my teeth. I knew I was like, okay, you cannot even get through multiple miles without stopping so i did four miles i got through all four of them one at a time and consider that a success i remember i keep a log and i marked it down in my log i said you know hey small steps we're working towards the right direction by the next week i was finally kind of able to more or less limp through a couple more miles so i was just hobbling and on my garmin i was able to see my strides And it literally looked like I was galloping and just seeing it. And it was fascinating to watch. And so I started really kind of almost obsessing over that. So each run I'd go out on, I would try to, you know, close that gap a little more and more and try to get my cadence a little bit more normal. And I was getting myself back up to, you know, eight miles and really kind of was feeling pretty satisfied with that. And I had about a full roll of KT tape every two days. I was just wrapping everything around that knee, trying to keep it in place, and you know, did enough to where I could get through a little bit. And so the week started kind of trickling by and getting through it. And I was integrating a little bit of speed stuff in it, still hobbling around a lot, not able to bend the knee at all. I mean, everything. I had pretty much shifted my entire mechanics to pretty much overcompensate for the my knee. And it's remarkable what the body can do when you just can't quit and you call it dumb, whatever, but I knew something was wrong with it. So I told myself, I'm like, whatever it is, it's bad. I'm like, yeah, this is bad. So you're just going to have to get through it. And that's what I did. I just got through it. I ran and I would grit my teeth every single day, just going out and putting in, you know, seven thirty miles compared to the normal six thirty miles. And slowly things, the pain, I think if you, you know, fight through the pain enough, you eventually just, it's almost like insanity. You just kind of get whatever it's at that point. And so I remember going out on a 20 miler with this knee and, and I was hauling. i ran, I think I ran it at like 630, sub 630 pace. And I got through all 20. And I remember the whole time just being like, oh my gosh, this hurts. And I got through it. And that was, I think the workout when I knew I was like, you can go to Romania and you can kick some butt over there. Like you can do this. And my goal was top five. And I was like, you've got this. Like this was the workout you needed. And so I went to Romania with all the confidence in the world, knowing that it wasn't going to be easy, but also in the back of my mind, knowing that I'm tough. Like I'm a fighter. I get through it. And I did. I went into it with all this confidence and I did no sprints at all. I could not start from a standstill into a sprint. I had to work into it. And like I said, at this time, I still had no idea that it was even broken. I didn't know what it was. I didn't want to know. I just knew something was wrong with it down there. But I really, after that training, I told myself, I'm like, nothing really can get any worse with it. Or I didn't think at the time, but believe it or not, the pain subsided a little bit. About a week before I went to Romania, I was on the treadmill doing a really fast tempo and I felt another pop. And I don't know if that was when it really broke through or what, but when that moment hit, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like that's less pain now. So I don't know what it was before and I will never be able to know because I mean, I didn't go get it checked out, but I remember feeling a second pop and I'll always tell myself in my head that that must've been the moment where the knee cap broke off. Oh, because when it broke off, it was just there. I mean, it was just out floating around. And so I think if it was still connected and it was causing all that pain, the best thing I did was jump on that treadmill and run really fast and just get it broken completely off. (laughs) So I wouldn't recommend anybody doing that. But for me, like I said, I I learned a lot about myself through this process. I hope uh, I'm taking very good care of myself now and trying to do everything I can to, keep anything like that from happening again.
0: Well, I'll say this, man, like, after going through all of that, there's nothing you you can't do. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes to like the, the next race or you are thinking like whether I need to over train or go under train, your mentality has been through the ringer with everything. So it's just like almost just doing doing what you do best.
1: There's a really good book. It's called Brave Athlete and I read it before most of my big graces and it talks about, you know, kind of just shutting your brain off and then how that fight or flight when that comes around and, and how that's one of the hardest things we can do is, you know, when our, they call it our monkey brain, when it really starts screaming at us, and it's the one that really fires so fast. And it's the one that screaming at you that, like, hey, you're going to die if you keep running five minute pace or whatever. And then you've got what they call the professor brain, which slows you down. That's the one that's kind of the more the logic behind it. Like, you know, you're not really going to die if you run this pace, but it's just going to be uncomfortable. That's been probably the biggest thing for me is through this whole thing is just knowing that like, and I think that kind of helped me with my knee too, because I'm like, okay, what part of my brain is telling me this? And I think I was able to kind of, you know, make, at least put it off a little more just by telling myself that, you know, maybe it's not as bad as it really is. It did turn out to be really bad. And, you know, honestly, it if I'd would gone and got it checked out immediately, I probably could have done 2 weeks off and been racing still and I would have been able to have bounced back cuz I was back training within a month of once I did have the surgery and so it was a quick recovery and I've wasted no time getting back up to very high mileage and so I'm um, said so just at this point yeah like you said I'm I'm fully in into it now so I've put this much time and effort into it uh I'm not going away so
0: I'm just getting started
1: yeah Big time. So um, that's the one cool thing about being a long distance runner is that, uh, you know, my clock's going until, you know, you're seeing it, you know, 31, 32, 33. You're seeing guys up till 35 if, you know, they really got the stuff. And so that gives me a lot of hope that I can have a, a pretty good next few years.
0: Is So that's it, cool. a good book. If you haven't read it yet, Um, it's called Um It Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Well, i heard of it yeah that's a great book it's like it's kind of similar to like the one you mentioned before just like the mindset and kind of and it can kind of go through like his, his journey through you know military stuff to being um an ultra runner and how he kind of how he just figured out how to catalyst his mind uh, to say one step one to say i can go one more level and just keep yeah. pushing that level so yeah. be a great great book to check out for you so as we're here you know we got the olympic year right we have a dream of of wanting to make Team USA and kind of, you know, achieve that version of greatness. How are you keeping your mindset just fresh, you know, just like in a sense of trying to reduce the noise a little bit, you know, just to say, I'm just going to take it one day at a time.
1: You know, with the Olympics, um, Olympic trials, kind of all of it, we, There's a lot of, uh, you know, everybody's kind of got an opinion right now of what's going to happen, who's fit, who's going to make the team, who's running 140 miles, who's doing 170, who's doing 90. There's so much chatter going on. And so it's, it's really hard to only take it a day at a time in an age where if you do anything on social media, you're flooded with the runners. And it's really, really tough because... You know, there's going to be like 300 of us. It's ridiculous how many people have qualified for the trials. And so it's going to kind of just be a madhouse out there. And so for me, that plays to my strength. I think if, you know, that gives guys, I guess, you know, maybe not just me, but it gives guys like me who it's going to be wild out there. You're going to just have a ton of bodies and it's going to be an electric day. And so it is really hard. I don't try to think much ahead of the actual race. Some people do the whole visualization of what they're going to do. I think 26.2 miles is long to do on it in itself. I don't want to run the race before I actually have to. <laughs> um, and so I don't train on the course or warm up on the course. I don't, I don't want to know anything about it. And so I guess I already, you know, people are talking about how there's like 2000 feet up and down an elevation gain in Atlanta. And so I, it's like great, all right? Well, I used to be a trail runner and so I really always loved ups and downs. Let's, you know, hope that that plays to my favor a little bit. And I do, you know, a little bit of training that I can here in Lawrence. It's pretty hilly here around campus and so I've got some good stuff I can work with, but it's really hard to take it a day at a time because for me it's I have an idea of what workouts I've done that has worked for me in prepping me for my big races and with kind of the setback with my knee and having to really kind of go through an entire base phase again of you know kind of putting in just some big blocks and then now really hitting the speed. It is kind of tough because I'm trying to plan out. I don't even plan out, like, I don't plan in advance my training runs. I know people sit down and they have monthly or yearly training plans. Some of them, you know, I barely do a weekly training plan. There's a lot of times I don't know what workout... So I do two workouts a week, sometimes three, but usually two workouts a week on Tuesday and Fridays. And most of those days, I have no idea what I'm doing until right before I'm heading out the door. Sometimes I don't even pick the workout till I'm done with my warm up and actually on the track. I just kind of go with what my gut's telling me that day. And so by doing that way, I don't allow myself to have bad workouts. So I think that's a big fear that I used to always be scared of was in college. I'd look at the board and I'd see, you know, Oh man, we got a, you know, a six mile tempo on Friday and then Friday rolls around and, and I felt really bad or, you know, whatever I ate poorly or that kind of stuff. And I remember always thinking like, man, you know, God, I'm not gonna be able to get through a good six day, but boy, if we could have just done, you know, maybe three by two mile reps or something like that, broken it up. I feel like I could have done that and I'd have been more excited about that. That's kind of what I have the ability to do now. And that's why I love doing this on my own, where I have that freedom to switch my workouts at the last minute. Even during the workout, sometimes if something doesn't go right, I switch it. If you know, if I'm doing long reps and I don't have it that day, I don't have the stamina, then I'm going to short stuff. And so I just wing it. I don't overthink it. Like I said, a lot of days I'm out there, nobody cares. Nobody knows. I clap for myself. It's Most workouts I'm out on the track, I think you'll probably think I'm insane. I'm out there clapping for myself and hooping and hollering and just trying to keep myself amped. And uh, it gets really, really lonely. That's why for a while I got away from the track, just scared of it, and I hated that lonely feeling. But now I got a a guy, a football player that played at uh, Southern Illinois. He's been out of the game for a bit. He's trying to get picked up. He's been going to some NFL kind of recruiting visits and stuff and you know still trying to get his you know chance himself and so seeing him out there every single day working noon to 1 he's out there every single day he putting in that work and you know he's the only guy who's really seeing what I'm doing and I think that's fun that we've kind of get we've gotten to share in that process and so he keeps me grounded too like you know yesterday I was dying I was dying so bad and you know he's just kind of right there and you know he picking me up and kind of keeping me rolling and so I think you know just appreciating in the moment is big for me so I never have to worry about much in advance like I said I I started uh thinking too much in advance I get uh you know creating some wild dreams and uh right now i'm I'm having a pretty fun time just taking it as it's coming
0: so and I'm excited to watch the journey <laughs> I appreciate and, and like and I'm, I mean it in the sense because there there are a lot of athletes that are, that are like you. I think I was an athlete like you, you know that. Like I was never the tallest, the fastest, the strongest, you know. I was, I was always in the mix, but I was never the best, you know. Yeah. But I was always like, hey, if I work hard enough, I'll get a shot. That's and all you
1: need sometimes is that me. shot, getting that chance.
0: And I I think if, the, if someone can can hear your story, you know, say they're a distance runner they're a football player they're a basketball player and you're out there training alone and now you're on the biggest stage in in the world you know and I I think that's powerful if someone can just think about like if Austin can do it I can too absolutely
1: it's always funny you know when you see coaches always posting on Twitter and stuff about how you know oh it's what you do when nobody's watching and that kind of stuff. And yeah, and, and that does hold some truth. I mean, it is, it's, but I think a lot of times it's, that's easier said than done. It It is really, really hard to go out day after day and not knowing, you know, especially as a post-collegiate, not knowing, you know, I race a couple times a year. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm swamped. This PhD is kicking my butt. So I don't get a race or do a lot of things like a normal elite runner would be doing. I don't get to travel and, and go to that kind of stuff. I missed my first week of my PhD to go to Romania and I paid the price for that. I was playing catch up and sleepless nights and I had to live a different life. And I know that a lot, believe me, there's tons of other runners out there that are, probably have a lot harder than I do too. Cause I get to, you know, sit at a desk and do research and teach two things I love to do. And so, you know, include running in there and you know, honestly, I'd have to say I'm living the dream. Do I get eight hours of sleep? No. Do I really feel like I need eight hours of sleep? No, I don't. And so I I think if you can be self-motivated, for me, that's one of my biggest strengths. I tell people that a lot. And I take that into my work and everything I do. That's not something that everybody just has. And I think it's important to recognize that. If that's not something that you're able to hold yourself accountable and do, then you've got to reach out and find somebody to help you. Don't try to fight that battle alone because you'll drive yourself crazy. I think, you know, I could see myself here in another year or two really kind of getting where I'm more trying to find a group because it's getting tough now. As I cycle through workouts over and over again, it's harder and harder to do those same ones that you know had me thrown up on the side of the track by myself over and over again it's hard and so i think having that other person there you know whether it's one person a group that kind of stuff if that's what you need then you've got to be able to go for it but i think if you can do it alone man it's fun and it really for me i love it most of all because it takes that pressure off because if i race really well then I'm proud of myself. I know that I put together a really good training block. I did things, you know, I needed to do for me to succeed. And then if I race bad though, and with the way my lifestyle is right now, you know, it would be really hard for me to have a coach and to feel like I was giving them everything I could when I'm out there switching my workouts or, you know, putting in more miles early in the week than later in the week because I'm trying to have a life over the weekend or something. And so for me, if I raise bad, it's on me. And that's something that I've accepted. And, and I like that. I like to have an accountability for that and knowing that if, if I succeed, great, I did it. If I fail, then hey, I did it. It's on me and back to the drawing board. And so it's fun. And if anybody has any uh, questions on any ways of what it takes to really train alone or, you know, be a self-coach, then I always enjoy getting to talk to you know, people about that stuff. So I hope anybody to reach out to me
0: man awesome is awesome so two more questions for you man so you're doing a phd right now so that impresses on itself and then yeah 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 in the running and trying to be an elite athlete so what's your goal with your phd
1: so my phd is in sport management so i'd had my undergrad at pittsburgh state in elementary education i was k6 certified my goal is to teach kindergarten and so i I got the elementary ed degree, but I had had minors in business administration, marketing, and public relations, and so I kind of just applied to KU um, University of Kansas more just for fun. Kind of just took a chance on sport management, and you know, I had a terrible GRE score, but I'm a writer. I feel like I wrote a really good purpose statement why I wanted to you know come and get this degree, and it worked really well you know, kind of with what I thought I kind of wanted at the time. So I applied to KU. My parents were just kind of like, what in the, like, you have a teaching degree. Yes, teachers teach. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to go get a sport management master's. And I don't even know if I knew what that even meant, but I got accepted. And I ended up getting a, a GA position, Kansas athletics in fundraising and development. And I loved it. I just thought it was cool getting to work with the donors at a big power five institution. I thought that was just really, really neat. It was going to be a really tough lifestyle for me to live to be a runner. And so that was really tough. But I think at the time, I thought that opportunity was just one in a million that I was willing to give up running for it. Some things ended up happening. Some people, we had gotten new AD and stuff, but I was let go. My first year up here, and so knowing I had a second year of school that I had then lost all my funding for, I had lost everything. That was bad. I remember going into my, at the time, you know, kind of my advisor, I guess, going into his office and just having to explain to him that I was going to have to drop out, that I wasn't going to be able to stay in the program, that I had been let go, and they had, you know, him and uh, and our program director. They had an opportunity had opened up right when I needed one and it was to design online master's courses for the sport management department. So literally basically making lesson plans for their sport management master's courses and making them interactive online because we were transitioning the master's to an online program. And so it was, honestly, it was perfect. I got to kind of just work from home. I designed a lot of the course. I went out to Boulder for one of my best friend Matt Daniels' wedding. And I you know got to pretty much spend the entire week out there and I did my work and stuff. And then training was great. And I had switched to, I went from the non-thesis to the thesis route right before I got let go. And my thesis was going to be on student donor memberships within collegiate athletics. And so looking at why current students Give. Um, and when I got let go, I lost that opportunity. I lost access to the database and everything really kind of just started falling apart. So, we kind of took a different approach, switched it to where I was going to look at fundraising and development associates and kind of looking at how to structure for a lot of colleges out there that don't have those. So, whether you're looking at D3s, D2s, smaller you know d1s those that are looking for another way to generate revenue but that don't really know how to go about getting those students into the pipeline and it turned out probably so much better than it would have been had it stayed with the actual student donors and I found out a lot of really cool things Um, we're currently working on trying to get it Submitted for publication into the top journal in sport management right now. And so we're kind of finalizing it. But yeah, having it on student donor memberships within Collegiate Athletics and really kind of structuring that ideal student membership and hoping that colleges are going to be able to pretty much pick up my findings and implement these programs. And so that opened the door. My advisor offered me um, a fully funded PhD position. And it was pretty much a dream come true because I get to now take that teaching degree that I thought I was never going to use. And instead of teaching little kids, I get to teach big kids. And I get to do research and read and write and kind of live the life of a professional runner because I'm getting summers off and Christmas breaks and weekends. And it's perfect. Honestly, everything that's come together. No matter how hard this PhD is, I am so blessed that with this opportunity and no matter what success I get in running, I lost my grandpa. I had just got up to KU and he was in a, he was killed in a car wreck and he was the individual who really out of everybody. He wanted me to get my master's so bad. So when I got that master's continuing off that PhD, I just knew that, you know, this is what was meant. This is kind of what, everything that needed to happen. Everything was coming together. So like I said, I just think that, you know, when one door closes, another opens. And so this PhD has been great. It has tested me. I've cried a handful of times just from sleep deprivation, you know, just being read all the reading and writing and everything. And I'm a semester in, but I love it. And so I, I can't wait for, you know, these next three semesters of, of just kind of doing more research. I'm doing some stuff in branding right now and trying to do some stuff on kind of looking at kind of brand communities of like running groups, seeing kind of what that social capital that kind of comes from being a part of running groups and just looking at that kind of stuff. And, and then, yeah, I'm, like I said, just kind of counting down the semester so I can get to that dissertation and uh, really, really get to writing. But yeah, I'll teach a sport finance class here at uh, KU. This will be my first class that I uh, teach on my own. And so I'm pretty scared, but uh, I'm excited at the same time. And whatever running I can do while I'm doing it, I'm satisfied because right now everything is going pretty well. can't complain.
0: Man, that's awesome. I, I want to read that for sure. Like that's definitely an interesting topic that I've thought about. So, so I'm actually curious to, to see what you found on that research and such on that. So definitely.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. cool I will yeah. say I had a lot of fun doing it. I was really, really proud of kind of what we were able to find and, and to do. And, and so, like I said, I'm excited to see what other opportunities I can, you know, kind of do within fundraising and developments and, you know, kind of the goals to be more of that kind of the running professor on like the business side. And there's a lot of people out there that are doing, you know, stuff on whether it's running shoes or, you know, more on the, Kind of the exercise side, and I'm more interested in the business. I want to see you know there's schools out there that are making money from cross country and track and field, especially you're seeing you know indoor track and field, you're seeing that sport being able to generate revenue you know especially the division two level right now Pittsburgh state's making a lot of money from their indoor three hundred meter track as a division two, and so I like. I'm really interested in seeing, you know, is there a chance that we can maybe turn a non-revenue generating sport into a revenue generating sport, and seeing if that might be another way for athletic departments to make some more money. Like I said, I like to make money. I like to help other people make money, and so we'll, we'll see what I can come up with with research and and see what I can do to help some people
0: out. Dude, that's awesome. That's something I really want to read, though. You have to, yeah, so, so, so I'll give
1: it over to you. Yeah,
0: so you have to crank this out, man. <laughs>
1: Oh, I'm I'm hoping. So I've been sitting on it for a while, so we need to finish it up. So if I can get my first publication rolling as, you know, this first year would be huge. And so I've got big goals. I'd like to, you know, kind of finish up, graduate with at least five. I think if I can get out of here with five publications, I really hope that I am setting myself up to be able to fight for a job at a Research One institution and you know, that's kind of the goal. And so we'll, if that didn't work out, I've considered the idea of maybe going to trying to maybe go to a division three or division two and, and, you know, maybe not a research one. And if I go to that route, then I would try to be a coach. I try to coach alongside of being a professor. But um, at this point, I like the reading, I like the writing. So the research one institution is the goal. So that's, that would be big. So I'm hoping not to let my advisor down. That's awesome. dope, man.
0: And then the last question for you, if I, let, if I let you go. So if you could just give a few words to your younger self, you know, the kid that had all these dreams and ambition, you know, like, what would you say about the journey ahead? Oh, that's a tough one. Good question. Boom.
1: That would. That's a really good <laughs> Because I, yeah, I think it'd be easy for me to say, you know, tell my younger self to go for it, you know, take the chance, but at the end of the day, I I did that. I you know, loaded my truck up when I was in college and moved out to Colorado to train at altitude over the summers instead of staying in Kansas because I wanted to try to get a leg up on the other people and you know doing little things like that. So I really think if I could go back, those first couple years of of college were really really bad for me at you know Pitt State and even you know my first year here at KU didn't turn out great. But I never really I think both times I didn't trust myself starting out when I I have a big issue of when I'm trying to attempt something new that I'm very hesitant. I'm so scared of letting people down or letting even just myself down that I'm, I'm just so careful about things that I don't make the most of those opportunities that I have. And then sometimes that is where I've dug a hole and I've not been able to get out of it. And so really I left high school feeling like I could be, anybody in the nation, no matter what division it was. And I don't know where that came from. I have no idea. I didn't even win all my races in high school, but I just had this fire in me that I was just going to do it all, that I was going to be the national champion, the make the Olympic, everything, just these crazy goals. And then I started listening to others and I started listening to upperclassmen who, were threatened who you know didn't quite you know appreciate having enough f- you know fiery freshmen coming in trying to get things done and I think I then started I had gone from a high school where nobody was you know I was pretty much you know I had like five teammates who didn't really ever say much and didn't give any pushback. and so I started listen to others when I got to college and so I think that's where I dug a big hole but at then as I've really progressed, throughout the years, I realized that no matter what it is, and I don't know if that's just for my parents, it's whatever. I'm a really good judge of character. You know, I don't have just a huge group of people that I'm, I have kind of in my circle, but the people I do have are top individuals. They are just great people. And I really think that understanding that a lot of people are going to have an opinion and knowing who to listen to and who to just kind of let talk and then remember at the end of the day, like, hey, everybody's going everybody's gonna to say something. Everybody's going to have, you know, feel like they know best. But at the end of the day, if I don't know what I need to do, you know, if I have a question, I've got a handful of people that I can turn to. You know, those first few years, I felt like I just cast my net as wide as I could. And anybody who had something to say, I was taking it to heart. And I felt like, you know, that's what I needed to do. And so if I can go back, that would probably be the big thing is just to, to really know that after all these years, I think that does give me some satisfaction of knowing that even as a younger runner, looking back, I knew what I needed to do to be good. It's taken me this long to make up the ground that I lost by not listening to myself. And Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the biggest, maybe regret. I don't even know if it'd be regret because I don't really regret anything that I've done because it's, like I said, I'm here everything's come together maybe not quite in the way that it could have but i like what i've done the chances i've taken the mistakes i've made i wouldn't trade it for the world every every little bit of that adversity has helped me you know get better but yeah i i really do i think that it is pretty crazy for me to look back now and to know that man i knew it i knew all the way back then that i what I needed to do, and I knew I was different than other runners. I knew what my training needed to be, and you know, what I needed to do to be to succeed. So, even though I did lose a few years, that does bring me some, you know, peace of knowing that I didn't give up, I didn't quit, I kept at it. I told myself I'd get here, and I'm here. Couldn't be happier,
0: man. Dude, you're a boss, <laughs> and I uh, mean that in a sense of that like again like it's just a journey with you man and and i really hope whoever's listening to this whether they're up and coming or in the myth or life after that they really take a lot of value from what you shared because i don't know like it's a journey yeah. just about not giving up so for sure man i like, care props to you thank you very much i really
1: appreciate you uh, taking the time to kind of hit, let me share my story and believe me if it can help anybody at all no matter what sport, no matter what field, you know, of work. I mean it's a lot of this stuff can be applied to so many different areas. I just happen to, you know, like I said, be in distance running, but I really hope that like I said, hope this can at least help somebody else out there. That'd be I'd consider this a success. And so also this is the first time I've ever really got to just share my story. So I
0: appreciate just having the opportunity to and the first of many. Because the story, the story just getting started.
1: (laughs) I hope so. That's the plan. Is yeah, best things are still up ahead. So,
0: well, awesome, man. Thanks for coming on again, and we'll be in touch soon.
1: Thank you so much for everything. All right,
0: thank you. Have a good night. thanks for listening to this episode of the nine point started with a dream podcast if you enjoyed this episode please comment share leave a review we would love to hear your thoughts you can find more athlete driven content at ninepoint.com till the next episode you're only one opportunity away peace